Hi and welcome. I'm Mish Bandizio. And this is Creating Cadence, a podcast for life and work in motion. Just a heads up that I am recording this podcast at home in semi-lockdown, so you may hear background noise such as sirens or seagulls, or even my neighbors shouting at each other during a socially distanced conversation. In the Northern Hemisphere, August is typically the time when we slow down, take a break, and go on a proper vacation. I usually love this time of year, as it's a good time for me to regroup, review, and recharge. On top of all the other things this year has brought, like many of you, I too have lost work. But losing work doesn't stop us from having to continue putting in the work to keep our businesses going. At the time of recording, I've just launched my third online class on Skillshare. I was invited by Skillshare to collaborate on creating this content, and the focus is on digital wellness and productivity at work. So it's been an exciting project for me. It's also been a very intense project, and it took a lot of energy. So after a month of being in production mode, and after several months of being on the go, I know I need a break. And if I'm to follow the advice which I offer in my new course, which is based on my own experiences with burnout, then it is to know when it's time to slow down, to pause, rest, and if necessary, stop. When we place intentional, focused productivity at the heart of how we work, being mindful of when to work and when to rest, becomes integral to our work process. This intentional approach to work is also a key part of building cadence in our lives. And yet this year is a little bit different. You see, the town I live in is currently back in local lockdown, so I'm not really up for traveling anywhere. I also have client work on and a long list of niggly to-dos that I've been meaning to get to at some point or another when I have that imaginary gap to do so. Even if I'm not inclined to climb on a train or a plane for a trip to the seaside, what I can do is give my body and brain the break it needs in small but effective ways. For me, that means prioritizing sleep, movement, and solitude, and I'll talk more about those in a bit. First, I want to speak about the overriding common culture of work, 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 even when we're meant to be taking a break. A survey done last year in the UK revealed that even when we are meant to be on holiday, at least 50% of us feel compelled to work. So even if you're taking a physical break from work, it's more than likely still on your mind. For some, vacations can even feel like punishment, for three stress-inducing reasons. First, we work overtime to get everything up to date and handed over before we leave. Then we're checking in while we're away, so we don't fully relax. Finally, when we return, our feel-good holiday vibes dissipate rapidly due to the backlog waiting for us. It's a never-ending, reactionary and detrimental cycle of catch-up and overwork, which is most common in workplace scenarios where you may work with other people as part of a team or organisation. This situation is so not ideal. It craps all over our well-being and productivity. So why do we put up with it? Some of this overload can be avoided if we focus on creating better rhythms in our workdays and build more responsive cultures and supportive systems, processes and workflows into our workplaces. 
I'll be talking plenty more about these points in future episodes, and incidentally, I also cover them to a degree in my new Skillshare class. But back to the three practices I prioritize to help rest my brain and recharge my body. And these are things you can do at any time of the month or year. The first is sleep. When I was in the depths of my burnout experience, sleep was one of the most important things I needed to recover. But no amount of counting sheep helped me and my anxiety-riddled mind to kip for more than a few hours at a time. It became a vicious cycle. Even though that situation is now a distant bad dream, and I've since done a lot of research, experimentation and practice to develop my sleep skills, sleep can still be my kryptonite at times. So it's something I keep working on. Not only is sleep important for rest and recovery, it also plays a supporting role in learning and creativity. Sleep both prepares our brain for learning and helps to cement that learning afterwards, transferring those memories from our short-term reservoirs and adapting them to assimilate with existing memories in our long-term storage. More importantly, in the present time of COVID, good sleep hygiene is also connected with supporting our immune health, giving us a greater chance to fight off infection and inflammation. If you think I'm exaggerating the importance of sleep, then please check out sleep scientist Matthew Walker's book on the topic, or one of his TED Talks. In Matthew's sleep lab, he discovered lots about the sometimes deathly dangers of not sleeping well. Random examples include weight gain, heart disease, and Alzheimer's. But did you know that the quality of our sleep also affects the size and ability of our reproductive systems? And sleep also influences our empathy levels. In April 2020, Matthew had a conversation with Chris Anderson, the founder of TED. It's relevant to our ongoing pandemic situation. And in the interview, he answers a lot of questions you may have around how to develop better sleep habits. I'll share links in the show notes on my website if you want to access these. When I talk about using sleep to help me take a break, I don't mean having more lions although those are good to have and they have their place. Setting ourselves up for good sleep is about both quantity and quality, as well as creating rituals and treating your bedroom like a sanctuary. There are physical bits like a comfortable supportive mattress, soft sheets, good ventilation, quietness, blackout curtains. And then there are also the preparation bits, preparing your mind and body for sleep by doing things that signal to your brain that it's time to get ready for bed. That could be softening the lights, reading a book in bed instead of looking at your phone. For me, at the moment, it's a turmeric and oat milk chai before bed. Although I usually use my phone for an alarm and it sits across the room from where I sleep rather than next to me, as an experiment this month, I've stopped using an alarm entirely. So I'm allowing my body to wake when it's ready, according to its circadian rhythm. And I found that my regular cycle of seven and a half hours seems to stick most days. So as long as I'm going to bed at my regular time, I tend to wake when I need to. Whatever floats your dream boat, the important thing is making a habit out of it. These little rituals become enjoyable routines that facilitate good rest. The next activity I introduced for rest and recovery is making time for solitude. Solitude is often misrepresented as being a physical separation or isolation from others. 
Sometimes the experience does happen in isolation, but solitude is actually about what occurs in your brain rather than your physical environment. Solitude is a subjective state. It's defined as occurring when your mind is free from input from other minds. I'll repeat that. Solitude is a subjective state defined as occurring when your mind is free from the input of other minds. In Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism, he explores the issue of solitude deprivation, which pervades our modern lifestyle. Our technology and how we use it exposes us to continuous attention-demanding noise. It encroaches into every spare space of our lives. We now prioritize this form of communication over reflection. Reflection is in itself a form of communication, only with ourselves. But we're not getting to process and reflect on what's coming at us, because we don't get the chance to turn off that fire hydrant of content, data and information that's coming at us, long enough to sift through the deluge. So continuously using social media and our devices leads to solitude deprivation. This raises our anxiety levels and causes cognitive fatigue. But it also prevents us from having valuable thinking and processing time. When we're always on, we're not getting a chance to pause and ponder. When we don't turn off the tap of incoming stimuli, we don't experience opportunities to daydream and experiment and get creative in our boredom. On the flip side, creating time and space for solitude helps us make room for new ideas to grow and to solve hard problems. The reflection that happens during this time alone with our minds helps us to regulate our emotions and understand ourselves more clearly. So our brains might still be working, but they're doing so in a more relaxed state. Solitude has also been found to strengthen our relationships with others, as time away from people makes us appreciate them even more when we're with them. I can appreciate that with lockdown, many of you may have been stuck at home with your families and are desperate for some physical thinking space. When you can't have that space, how can you create it metaphorically? That's why I purposefully take regular digital holidays away from social media, away from news, away from the noise and content of the world, so that I can commune with my mind, not in a ruminatory obsessive way. Instead, I approach this communion from a place of curiosity. It's an opportunity to give my mind time to explore everything it's been taking in. And that's where the importance of movement comes in too. Walking especially has been proven to be very good for brain health and supporting our cognitive function. Studies have also found that an active, effort-filled holiday, where you might hike or bike a new trail, or revamp your garden, or take on a summer project like building a patio, can facilitate an energised return to work afterwards. That physical exertion of an active break or active holiday leads to better sleep too, so the benefits come full circle. And it's these types of activities that force us to be more in the moment too. Whilst we're present, they allow our brains to be absent, to get up to their own devices, to work through the thoughts that are percolating in the background while our hands are busy doing something else. I often find the combination of solitude and walking in nature allows my mind to work away at solving challenges. It helps me think up new ideas and recharge my mental capacity for when I'm ready to get back to work, whether that's after a weekend away or another long day. We all have the same amount of time in the day. It's how we use that time that matters. 
So how can you create space for solitude and sleep? There are always ways to integrate more pause and perambulation into our days. And these moments of reflection, movement and rest help to keep our foundations strong. Thanks for listening. If you want to be notified when the new podcast episodes drop, then do sign up to my monthly online guide via growthsessions.co forward slash cadence. The link is in the show notes and subscribing also gives you access to a free training resource. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Creating Cadence podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could give it a review on your channel of choice. That helps other people to find the podcast too. Until next time, do take care of yourself. Remember to show up with love and keep moving forwards. Bye for now.